Welcome to Left from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. This show was created to help others to help themselves. I will feature amazing people from around the world who are making a difference by helping others in their own way. You may also hear me follow up with a guest I have hypnotized on an online edition of Love from the Hip available on YouTube. Together we can all make a difference, and it begins with love. Love from the Hip. Martin Luther was a German professor of theology, composer, priest, monk, and a seminal figure in the Protestant Reformation. This Reformation started with his 95 theses that he nailed to the front door of the church in Wittenberg on October 31, 1517. Even though Luther was a monk and a professor of theology, he still struggled with spiritual depression and anxiety. He felt a profound loneliness, a sense that God was singling singling him out for suffering, and a loss of faith that he was not good enough for God or that God was too good for him. His 95 theses, or sentences really, were posted like any professor would at the time, out for the public and open for debate and disputation. Unfortunately, the timeliness of his writings were not in his favor. Luther wanted to share his findings from the Gospels in the Bible, which finally lifted his anxiety that God wants to give righteousness, that God does not want to punish him or anybody, and that Jesus' sacrifice is the payment for everyone's sins. Luther wrote in his theses that God gives forgiveness and that it is not forgiven by giving money in the form of indulgences to the church. Many at the time were buying and selling indulgences in order to lessen each person's time in purgatory, as well as shorten any time for loved ones that had already passed. Luther's theses did not fare well with the corrupt Pope Leo X and appointed inquisitor Johann Tetzel at the time, who were hawking indulgences to bring in monies for unnecessary church renovations, among other things. Luther actually had good intentions in writing his theses, He was so delighted with his new insight into God and his teachings that he just wanted to share it with everyone so that they too would not suffer like him. Unfortunately, he had no idea he would be taking on two very powerful and influential people of his time. And so fights broke out after the 95 Theses was posted, and also when Luther translated the Bible into German for all the people, not just the men of cloth, so that they too could read and interpret it for themselves. This upset caused more anxiety and despair for Luther. He could not bear the fact that the reforms he advocated might destroy the church rather than revive it. I think it would be safe to say that Luther himself, like others before him, struggled with religious trauma syndrome. Millions of people today suffer from RTS. Religious trauma syndrome is a function of both the chronic abuses of harmful religion and the impact of severing one's connection with one's faith and the faith community. It can be compared to a combination of PTSD and complex PTSD. It can mimic the symptoms of many other disorders and can include anxiety, depression, panic attacks, and suicide ideation, to name a few. But unlike many disorders, it can go unnoticed and is so often misunderstood. Today I will be interviewing Andrew Jasko, who is currently working on getting his doctorate in clinical psychology, but not long ago was a Pentecostal minister, having gotten his Master of Divinity from Princeton Seminary and was set to be a missionary in India. After a rude awakening, Andrew is now on a spiritual path and is helping others heal from religious trauma, as well as reclaim their sexuality, individuality, spirituality, and identity from religion. So stick around after this quick break. Forgive me, hero, I cannot stay. He cut out my tongue, there is nothing to save. Microneedling is a revolutionary treatment that can help reduce the appearance of acne scars, fine lines, pigmentation, wrinkles, even improve the appearance of stretch marks by stimulating collagen and elastin. Sakura Skin and Mind specializes in this procedure that jumpstarts your body's natural healing process. Sakura Skin and Mind believes in not only keeping the skin up to date with the latest trends in the skincare industry, but also keeping the skin beautiful, fast, pretty, painless, and affordable. Find out more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Love from the Hip, and that's H-Y-P. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Andrew Jasko, 
who is currently working on getting his doctorate in psychology, but not long ago was a Pentecostal minister, having gotten his Master of Divinity from Princeton Seminary. And he is coming to us via Skype in San Francisco. Thank you for being here today, Andrew. Hi, Sakura. It's great to be here. Yeah. So, so let's get into your timeline events here. It's so fascinating to me. How long ago did you get your Master of Divinity from Princeton? I received my Master of Divinity about four and a half years ago in okay. 2014. Okay. And what was happening at that time in your life? Well, I was training to become a missionary to India. That was my intention. A Master of Divinity is a professional degree that clergy get in order to become ministers or chaplains or missionaries. And so I was going to go to India, learn Hindi and Indian culture, and train local indigenous evangelists, evangelists to convert their Hindu and Muslim families to Jesus. Hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and what was, what was going on with you at that time? Were there any self-conflict? A tremendous amount of self-conflict. So I grew up in the Pentecostal Christian Church. My parents uh, are ministers. They started a church right when I was born, and I was given a prophecy that I was going to help bring about the second coming of Jesus Christ uh, through being a great leader and spiritual person in the church. So I always grew up with that really high sense of divine purpose. Mm -hmm. And for me, really, my Christian faith was everything. It was my entire life. Uh, so I was really, really serious, really devoted, but really personally conflicted at the same time. I struggled with a tremendous amount of fear and anxiety mm -hmm. uh, to the level of psychiatric distress. Mm -hmm. And I was just really miserable uh, about my fear, about my sense of uh, guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. And uh, just depressed, going through cycles of depression as well. So there was a lot of internal conflicts. Well, what a big, you know, <laughs> what a big prophecy. I mean, it's all on you, all on your shoulders at such a young age. That's right. It's, it's a lot to live up to yeah. um, and a, a big sense of purpose and inspiration as well. Yeah, absolutely. So where did you wind up after you received your Master of Divinity? So after I received my Master of Divinity, uh, well, I ended up kind of having a, a life crisis okay. while I was studying for my Master of Divinity. Uh, so if you want to go into that. Yeah, I do want to go into that. <laughs> Let's go there. <laughs> All right. So I had struggled just tremendously with anxiety mm -hmm. really throughout my life. And I was just so miserable. I, I made kind of a prayer or a resolution to myself. And I said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get rid of fear, to not live by fear anymore. I just can't handle this. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to trust that God will keep me. So I made this resolution. And really pretty quickly after that, uh, my understanding of God and religion started to unwind and unravel. And I mm -hmm. began to see that the source of my anxiety and anguish was teachings in the Bible, was the Bible itself, that there were all kinds of abusive and traumatizing teachings in the Bible. And in order to find my freedom, I had to question my belief mm -hmm. and kind of the foundations of my life. Wow. That's uh, everything so, that you believed in. Everything, everything I believed in. That's right. For. Wow. And, but then you still ended up still getting your master's through this process. You're, you're in torment and self-conflict, but you ended up graduating with that degree. I did. That's right. And there is a slow, painful, rude awakening that I went through, this process of denial and trying harder, because the religious system has many psychological mechanisms to keep people in who are questioning or who have doubts. Mm. Uh, it tends to blame the struggles and the suffering on the person who's, who's suffering, like saying things like you don't have enough faith or mm. you need to pray harder or or maybe the religious system or denomination you're under isn't faithful enough to the Bible. So I tried harder and kind of had these periods of trying harder and then pulling back. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up choosing a more liberal, progressive version of Christianity, the Presbyterian Church. Okay. Uh, and after I graduated seminary, I ended up becoming a minister in the Presbyterian Church instead of being a missionary to India because I realized I was on my way out of Christianity. But I wasn't 
quite ready to give up my whole career in life. Okay. And then so, and where were you a Presbyterian minister? That was in New York City. Okay. And so then what happened next? All right. So right after I graduated Princeton Seminary, I ended up going on this kind of random trip to Peru Uh during the summer uh, with a friend who was an atheist who had also left religion. And during that time, that was kind of some of my first experience partying and being in the secular world by myself outside of the church. So I had some fun there. And I met someone who told me, you need to go to Burning Man. <laughs> and, and then it was all she, over from there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on. it was already kind of all over, but yeah. it definitely helped to accelerate the process. And you were still a minister, right, at the time when you went to Burning Man? When I went to Burning Man, I was I was about to go and become a minister okay. in New York. Okay, okay. And so then tell me about your experience at Burning Man. Was that your aha moment? Well, I think that Burning Man showed me an alternative way of living because uh, under religion, there's a lot of emphasis on receiving your instruction from outside of yourself, from a construct maybe known as God, or from the church, the religious system, or the Bible. But here at Burning Man, there were people trying to really tune into their own intuition and their own purpose and live Mm -hmm. a life of of self-actualization and self-reliance. Mm. Uh, so so it helped me with that. It also exposed me to uh, secular sexuality mm-hmm. in a more healthy way and, and kind of gave me a little bit of a community while I was undergoing my transition in New York. Okay. Well, we're going to come back into your story. We're going to have to take a quick break. So everyone stick around for more Love from the Hip. If you're planning on building a home or a major landscaping project, you'll want the team of Stone Resources on your side. Safely, effectively, and correctly working with our unique terrain requires local knowledge and environmental care. For 21 years, Stone Resources has been making sure their customers' biggest investment is on solid ground. Trust your next earth-moving project to Stone Resources. Call 425-754-6792. That's 425-754-6792. Stone Resources. We make the earth move. And remember, if you need dirt or have dirt to get rid of, you can call on us. 425-754-6792. Hypnotherapy helps you discover and explore deep, sustainable life changes. Let Sakura guide your communication with your unconscious mind. Rid yourself of negative behaviors, fears, pains, and emotions. Weight loss, smoking, childhood drama, chronic pain, and much more can be addressed. Begin healing now. Just $100 for the first session. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A skinandmind.com. Bring out the healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Did you know that your skin is your body's first defense against disease and infection? BrioTech knows and has developed their topical skin spray to enhance your skin's natural healing responses and defenses. BrioTech is all about providing its customers products that help promote skin wellness. BrioTech Topical Skin Spray is a light misting spray free of added fragrance, oil, alcohol, and parabens. All this protection without clogging your pores. It's a must addition to your all-around daily skincare regimen. Try BrioTech, a collection of sprayers from 2 ounces to 8 ounces. With this bundle, you can have BrioTech Topical Skin Spray wherever life takes you. All natural and safe to use from head to toe. Irritations? Redness? Post-procedure sensitivities? Get BrioTech Topical Skin Spray today. Years in the making, doctor recommended, and available through Amazon. Learn more at BrioTechUSA.com. That's B-R-I-O-T-E-C-H-U-S-A.com. Support your skin at BrioTechUSA.com. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Let From The Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget this show airs right here every Wednesday at 2 to 3 p.m. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Andrew Jasko, who is currently working on getting his doctorate in psychology, but not long ago was a Pentecostal minister, having gotten his Master of Divinity from Princeton Seminary. 
and he is coming to us via Skype in San Francisco. And before the break, Andrew, you were talking about where your journey and then what led you to Burning Man. So a lot of eye-opening experiences there for you. A lot. A lot of eye-opening experiences. Yeah, and more freedom, I would imagine. More freedom, but also a tremendous amount of guilt and cognitive dissonance mm, and yeah. this going back and forth. Uh, between the guilt and the fear of leaving the religion, the fear of things like going to hell or losing my community, mm-hmm. and then the the tremendous desire to be a free human being. Mm. Did you meet anyone at Burning Man that was had gone through what you were experiencing? Yes. And you know what? I meet people all the time, every time I open my mouth and talk about this, because nine out of 10 people in the United States were raised within a religious system. Mm-hmm. And 35% consider themselves born-again or evangelical Christians. So religious fundamentalism or these really extreme forms of religion are incredibly prominent in our world today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So after Burning Man, you went back to New York and was still a minister? Yeah, I went back to New York. And so it was kind of funny. (laughs) I had this burner party scene on the one hand, and then I was still ministering on the other. So there were some nights when I was just up partying and I had body pain on me and I would kind of throw on my suit and go preach. Uh, (laughs) You're leading this double life. Kind of, in a way. I I mean, I was trying to be authentic to Mm -hmm. two two conflicting identities, and I just couldn't do it after a while. So so one day I just said, I can't do this because I'm preaching a religion that I no longer believe. Mm -hmm. And one day I woke up and I just had the realization, I'm no longer a Christian and I'm not afraid. Mm, wow. And that's powerful. It was a For powerful you. moment, but yeah. I had to make a decisive break. So I just couldn't handle it and I quit. Uh, and I isolated from my from my community, my family, and had no source of income, was confused, was just devastated. Oh, wow. And so where did that bring you to? Did you connect with another community? Yeah, so it was a really, really difficult and lonely, isolating time. Mm-hmm. But I, I started to connect and plug in with an atheist and secular humanist community because uh, they, they tend to be the ones who talk about the fear and oppression in religion. And unfortunately, a lot of times other religions and spiritual communities tend not to recognize uh, the the oppression and abuses that happen in religion. They tend to kind of want to justify it or or dress it up or, or point mm-hmm. out the the good things about it. Right. Or it's kind of admitting that you're wrong in some ways, right? Or taking the blame. Yeah, you yeah. can say that. So were there some direct similarities, though, between atheism and the religious upbringing that you had? So it was a really hard transition. And this, I think, is is a normative process for people who are transitioning out of religious contexts is jumping straight into this atheism. And I don't want to generalize atheism too much, but mm-hmm. there there is kind of a, a common or prominent version of it where it, it can be this kind of cold, isolated, and heartless atheism, a view of the world where it's it's me and us against the world. It's still this us and them mentality or this mm-hmm. dualistic framework like religion where it's almost like a battle between life and death, or us versus nature. We live in the world, we're all alone, we have to make all our meaning ourselves, and we're fighting a losing battle against nature, and we die in the end. Hmm. And that doesn't seem any better for your anxiety at all. That you it, was really, it was really, really challenging to mm-hmm. lose a sense of purpose, to lose a sense of spirituality. Yeah. Uh, and really, looking back on it, I can see how similar that version of atheism was to religion. Hmm. And I'm, I'm constantly in dialogue with it. Right. Um, but but it's it can get very dogmatic. It, it can say that any talk about the supernatural is off limits. That's the hmm. dogma. Everything has to fit uh, into this narrow empiricism in order for us to believe it. And if it doesn't fit within our framework of understanding, it's automatically false. Hmm. And you can get excommunicated for starting to consider... Uh, spiritualities or thousands of years of inquiry into Eastern thought. Mm. And it can be really close-minded in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
it's like a demand to fit reality into this particular method of understanding, which is really, really valuable. I love science and the scientific method, mm -hmm. but I, I guess I want to suggest that the framework, it inherited its framework from religion in a lot of ways. This dividing between this realm of consciousness or what people conceive of as spirit and, and nature, mm -hmm. when in reality everything is one and there there are certain experiences that we don't have scientific tools to measure yet, but that doesn't mean that they're not valid. Right, exactly. So you're not atheist anymore, correct? I have trouble with defining myself. Okay. Uh, because because I'm, I'm comfortable using the label in that uh, I don't believe in a deity that's outside of us or mm -hmm. even the term spirituality. I don't believe in like a separate spiritual natural realm. I think mm -hmm. that's an, those are outdated categories. Uh, but, but I'm comfortable using the label in a certain way. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I don't dismiss a lot of experiences of non-ordinary states of consciousness or, or things that maybe appear as spirits, but might be other beings. It, it's, I'm constantly in between these, these worlds of spirituality and secularism and trying to navigate and reconcile them. So well, it's yeah. tough. And you've been exposed to all of it. So, so after, and I value it. Yeah. So after you kind of left the atheist community, um, you ended up in California? Yes. And, and I wouldn't quite say I've left the atheist community okay. either, uh, but they might disown me. It's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Yeah. So so how did you end up in California then? I So at Burning Man, I have my first exposure to entheogens or what, what are often known as psychedelic medicines, specifically psilocybin. Mm -hmm. And I was just amazed at how much healing and transformation I had received from that. And I began taking these medicine journeys uh, during my time at New York, and I found them to be incredibly healing and inspiring. Uh, and so I had an intuition about moving to California. I'd met some people there. Uh, I wanted to restart and get some geographical distance from this huge extended church community. Uh, and so part of my revelation was was through a psilocybin medicine journey. Uh, I ended up moving out to California, just packing all my stuff in my car with no job hmm. uh, just a couple years ago. Oh, wow. That's fresh. <laughs> yeah. So is that where you ultimately found healing? It is. And I found healing through a number of different things. Um, I, I came here with just completely broken uh, because I had left everything that I'd loved most. Mm -hmm. God was was my was a romantic relationship in some ways, mm -hmm. uh, and and leaving religion is is a life crisis or event on the scale of losing a spouse. Mm -hmm. It's a real one of the most major crises that people can go through. Yeah. Uh, so I, I felt like I was I was totally crushed. I wasn't able to work. I you know I was just I'd lost everything that that had meaning to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but I ended up finding my healing here. I think the primary way I found healing was through psychotherapy. Okay. Uh, was through a relationship with a psychotherapist who was able to help me uh, not understand my trauma and reconnect with spirituality. And through that relationship, I was able to continue to unwind and access my inner healing potential. Mm. which is what psychotherapy is all about, is is accessing the inner healer and removing blockages to healing. So I, through that, uh, also through discovering meditation, uh, learning to to slow down my thoughts and, and get work on that anxiety and relate to my emotions differently uh, through yoga and through continuing to use medicine journeys. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break, but everyone stick around for more Love from the Hip. On this weekly skinny, I would like to talk about microblading. Not to be confused with dermal planing or microdermabrasion, microblading is a semi-permanent brow tattoo surface that involves the use of a pen-like hand tool to deposit pigment into the skin. A blade is also used that has tiny and short acupuncture needles. Microblading is commonly known also as eyebrow embroidery, microfeathering, microstroking, and 3D hair strokes. It is indeed a tattoo that looks like hair strokes. This is different than powder tattoo, which is a soft, solid makeup look that uses a tattoo machine instead to implant the ink. During the initial visit, the brows are cleansed, measured, cleaned up, and desired shapes are chosen. 
The chosen shape is drawn and the numbing cream is then applied. The process takes about two to three hours. Healing time takes around 14 days and typically there is one touch-up after the initial visit. To keep the color fresh, a touch-up is also recommended every one to two years. The price for microblading is around $500 and $550 for powder. Touch-up prices vary. Of course, there are some contraindications and it is not for everyone, like those on Accutane, pregnant, and those that have thyroid conditions or diabetes. For those that receive regular Botox, peels, or laser, there is a spacing of time that needs to be allotted before one can get microblading. If you already have tattooed brows that are no longer suiting you, have no fear, they can be corrected and redone too. If you are interested in having a free consult or getting microblading, I recommend Ginny Han at Ardent Cosmetic Tattoo. You can reach her at 206-250-0135. She is also offering a giveaway right now for free microblading, so be sure to ask her for the details on how to enroll and tell her Sakura sent you. Your skin is your body's largest organ. Care for it properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers several clinical facial treatments to help stimulate collagen production, eliminate toxins, boost circulation, and deeply cleanse. See a new you in your mirror. Clinical facials range from $90 and up. Do your face a favor. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles, one clinical facial at at a time. Learn more sakuraskinandmind.com. S A K U R A skinandmind.com. If you're planning on building a home or a major landscaping project, you'll want the team of Stone Resources on your side. Safely, effectively, and correctly working with our unique terrain requires local knowledge and environmental care. For 21 years, Stone Resources has been making sure their customers' biggest investment is on solid ground. Trust your next earth-moving project to Stone Resources. Call 425-754-6792. That's 425-754-6792. Stone Resources. We make the earth move. And remember, if you need dirt or have dirt to get rid of, you can call on us. 425-754-6792. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And I'm currently looking for people to hypnotize for free, as long as you're willing to share your experience later on the air. So if you're interested, please email me at sakura at lovefromthehip.com. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Andrew Jasko, who is currently working on getting his doctorate in psychology, but not long ago was a Pentecostal minister, having gotten his master of divinity from Princeton Seminary, and he is coming to us today via Skype in San Francisco. And before the break, Andrew, you were talking about where you got your healing, so psychotherapy, meditation, yoga. Yeah, psychotherapy, meditation, yoga, plant medicine, really, in a lot of ways, through spirituality. Spirituality was my healing. Mm -hmm. And I think spirituality means connecting with yourself with your own source of power and understanding your place and connection to the rest of nature to the rest of reality so understanding who i am and my connection uh and strength to, to everything else and and when i have access to myself when i'm living in alignment with the rest of the natural world then then healing and power and destiny all starts to flow when there's that connectedness in place yeah so do you think that religion kind of tends to take that power away from people? Their self-power? It does. It does. The, the number one most fundamental issue that people struggle with after they've left a religious system is a, a destruction in the self-relationship, relating to oneself and personal power. Mm. Uh, because religious systems tend to work through shame. Uh, there's an idea called sin, and it's one of the most abusive ideas that exists on the planet. It's mm -hmm. horrendous. It tells you that you are bad just for being born or for who you are. You're fundamentally untrustworthy, deserving of judgment, punishment, or hell. Mm -hmm. just, for, just for existing, our, our core nature, our heart is untrustworthy. So what that does is it, it, it this is a kind of soul wounding. It, it like right. splits the soul's DNA. And, and cuts off access to the self 
because I'm bad, because I'm untrustworthy, I can't trust my intuition, I can't trust my critical thinking, I can't trust my emotions, I have to rely on someone else, I have to outsource my personal power. And when that's gone, what's left? Right, yeah. So religious trauma syndrome is a real thing, and it's something that you're helping people with today, right, through your own journey. It's, It's a real thing in a major way. And religious trauma syndrome is one great way of framing it Mm -hmm. uh, because it recognizes that religion often functions as a traumatic system, a system of systematic trauma. Uh, And I mean, we we could talk about it also in terms of of spiritual transition, spiritual abuse, um, and it's really a total life system. So it affects every area of one's life, sexuality, career, uh, thought life, relationships, just about everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, and my point isn't to call it a disease. I don't want to get stuck in a in a label that makes right. people think they have a disorder. But the point is to call attention to the issues. And my work is to to expose the psychological and spiritual abuses in religious systems of oppression and to help people heal and recover from that trauma. Yeah. And so a lot of people must reach out to you then. They do. People reach out to me all the time. I mean, there are so many millions of people suffering silently mm-hmm. and afraid to to get help because if they question, they might face pressure for their communities or face the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. What is the biggest reason that people stay in this toxic relationship with religion? I think the biggest reason that people stay is a a sense of identity. Mm. And to because religion provides certain needs in an unhealthy way, but but it does meet certain needs, uh, especially psychological needs of belonging, community, purpose. It provides this ready-made template that has kind of all the answers. Right. Um, but they don't work. That's the problem. It's like like when you go get a drink, you feel better. And every time you get a drink, you feel better, but it doesn't address the issue. You have to keep going back. and. Uh, really, religion can function a lot like a drug in that way. Mm, okay. So aside from sexual shaming, anxiety, depression, what are some other issues that you see manifest? Yeah, there are all kinds of issues. Uh, one of them is, uh, well, emotional repression. Mm. And, I mean, this relates to anxiety, depression, and and trauma. But uh, religion... A fundamentalist religion can create crimes of emotion and thought crimes. So we are commanded to worship and obey the deity in all aspects of our lives, including the level of thoughts and emotions. So, I mean, the Bible says that we're, that God searches our hearts to pay us back from, from our impure thoughts and that we're to worship God in all of our desires. Uh, so even have it, we're, what this does is it, it trains us to constantly patrol our thoughts, to have this pervasive sense of guilt, mm. uh, and we're never good enough. We can never measure up to this sy- oppressive system of, of absolute obedience and total surrender to a foreign spirit labeled Jesus or the Holy Spirit or whoever it is in the religious system. It's this total obedience. It's a master-slave kind of relationship. It's mm-hmm. very, very oppressive. Mm-hmm. and what happens is there's this obsessive compulsive thought cycle and a pervasive sense of anxiety that's developed because my thoughts become dangerous. My mind becomes an undangerous place to live. Any deviant thought can cause me my sense of safety to be threatened in the most absurd way, mm-hmm. the most extreme way. Uh, so getting stuck and stuck in one's mind, having this perfection uh, type tendencies, uh, just really being caught in this wheel of of guilt and shaming and and forgiveness and then going back and and it never really deals with with emotional health it never addresses the the source and it right. well and even just part of nature right i mean like going through puberty you're going to have these these thoughts right so and and you're shamed for those thoughts Yes. So sexuality is is, uh, one of the biggest reasons that people end up leaving religion. And it's one of the most severe kinds of abuse in religion. Uh, I mean, 
we're, you're, you're commanded often to confess all of your sexual thoughts and desires to Jesus or to the deity. So uh, Jesus can often be like a sexually abusive lover uh, or the way he's conceived in this religion in that you're not allowed to think about other men. Uh, you have to confess to him. He threatens to punish you. Uh, if you leave him or think about someone else and and having sexual thoughts or desires is shamed. Uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, uh, says that if you think about someone, if you lust after her in your heart, you've committed adultery with her and you're in danger of hell. Wow, uh, just even so thinking about her. Even thinking about <laughs> her. And he suggests cutting off, a, it's better to cut off a part of your body than to lose your whole body in hell. So even castration is threatened. This isn't the Bible. This isn't, you know, some, this isn't just made up. This is, to me, that's as sexually abusive as it can get to say that just for being sexual, Mm -hmm. you're sinful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's, I mean, it was a horrible experience of puberty uh, growing up. I mean, sexuality is already hard enough, right? Right. There's already all these kinds of issues we face. Uh So there was definitely some early marriages than I would, I would expect, right? Oh, yeah. And I went to an evangelical college, Wheaton College, uh, where, I mean, sex is only considered appropriate within marriage. And what that means is that sexuality is like a disease. It's treated like an infectious disease Mm. or a sickness or a temptation, something that threatens you. Mm. And it's terrifying. And it's this battle that you can never win. And so people are desperate to get into the marriage situation. So they're not constantly fighting off this life-threatening condition known as their own sexuality. And pe- so people jump into marriage all the time and then end up div- getting divorced or or having to face this severe sexual trauma or dysfunction because mm-hmm. that's a lot of a lot of time and a lot of damage that has to be healed. Yeah, absolutely. So sexual performance anxiety as well then. It's huge. I mean, I, when I started uh, becoming sexually active, which was, I mean, when I was 26, because I was fighting this thing for a long, long time. Right. I mean, I disassociated from my body for about a year. Like mm. I couldn't stay in my body because all the guilt and all the trauma. Yeah. And I was so anxious and people are often so anxious because it, they lack a lifetime of experience and it can be pretty nerve wracking to to jump into relationships with people who've already been sexually active. Mm-hmm. So yes. Wow. That's tremendous. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break, but everyone stick around for for more Love from the Hip. Did you know that your skin is your body's first defense against disease and infection? BrioTech knows and has developed their topical skin spray to enhance your skin's natural healing responses and defenses. BrioTech is all about providing its customers products that help promote skin wellness. BrioTech Topical Skin Spray is a light misting spray free of added fragrance, oil, alcohol, and parabens. All this protection without clogging your pores. It's a must addition to your all-around daily skincare regimen. Try BrioTech, a collection of sprayers from two ounces to eight ounces. With this bundle, you can have BrioTech Topical Skin Spray wherever life takes you. All natural and safe to use from head to toe. Irritations, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, Get BrioTech Topical Skin Spray today. Years in the making, doctor recommended, and available through Amazon. Learn more at BrioTechUSA.com. That's B-R-I-O-T-E-C-H-U-S-A.com. Support your skin at BrioTechUSA.com. Men, care for your skin properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers their Gentleman's Groom Clinical Facial for just $120. Designed for your rugged skin, a deep cleansing clinical facial is like a one-two-three punch to wrinkles, age spots, and problem skin. Tame those brows, ears, and nostrils. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles one clinical facial at a time. Learn more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. 
Next week on Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair, award-winning Seattle filmmaker, author, speaker, and activist John DeGraff. An icon in the documentary film industry, John DeGraff has written and produced more than 40 films and authored three books, including the highly acclaimed Affluenza. His latest film, Torn Between Two Worlds, explores a thriving California city striving to be a fully self-sustainable community. Tune in Mondays at noon Pacific time and Fridays at 6 a.m. Catch up on podcasts at conversationslive.net. Peach buzz is great if it's on a peach. Let Sakura Skin and Mind remove unsightly hair with dermaplaning. Although its primary purpose is to remove layers of dead skin, it's just one of the added benefits leaving your skin baby smooth, safe, effective, fast and affordable. What a concept! Sakura Skin and Mind wants you to look your very best, and dermaplaning is just one tool in their chest. Find out about dermaplaning at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. We bring out the healthy skin and healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Broaden your horizons. You'll be amazed at all the topics we cover on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Love from the Hip, and that's HYP. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Andrew Jasko, who is currently working on getting his doctorate in psychology, but not long ago was a Pentecostal minister, having gotten his Master of Divinity from Princeton Seminary. And he is coming to us today via Skype in San Francisco. And so, Andrew, before the break, you were talking about what this religious trauma did or what it, what it does and, and not knowing how to be really, because you don't want to be in your body because every thought that you have and every feeling that you have, is just sinful, right? Yes. And these uh, religious systems often operate by creating a pervasive sense of anxiety and unsafety. Mm-hmm. The world is an unsafe place to be because I I have to maintain my salvation and status before God, and I can be threatened by people who have different beliefs who might cause me to question my faith or live in sin, i.e. participate in things that are not sanctioned by the religious system. My mind is an unsafe place because I think thoughts that are disobedient to God. And so there's just so much anxiety, and, and that keeps people feeding going to the system yeah, to protect them. It would keep them from leaving, absolutely. And it's such an exaggerated sense of threat. I mean, most of the anxiety we face in our world today is is imagined. It's not actual. Usually our survival is not at stake. Mm-hmm. But when you have systems of oppression like this that are creating all these kinds of big threats that, that aren't even real, it, it makes it so much harder. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that religions are all bad. But there is an amazing amount of psychological abuse and oppression within probably most religious traditions and scriptures. And for many mainstream religions, including the progressive ones, oppressive ideologies are central to the faith. So we need to be able to call attention to this abuse instead of glossing it over just because people might get offended. So how has religion affected women? I'm really glad we're bringing this up because this is one of the the major issues of religion. And uh, I mean, a lot of people just leave religion because they are women. Mm-hmm. And the religion can be like p- the deification of patriarchy. I mean, God is a man. God has a penis. You know, Jesus was a man. God was a man. God was modeled after a male patriarchal king mm. who advanced his reign in in ancient times through brutality and fear. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And uh, so really the the ideology of the kingdom of God is is a kind of imperialism and and domination. And so where women relate in this, women were treated throughout most of the Bible as property of men. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, when, when the men or the Israelites conquered towns, they could take the women as their own wives or their sex slaves. And in in the New Testament, uh, women are commanded to be silent in the church. Uh, They're not to have authority over men. Uh, They can't wear jewelry or provocative clothing. Uh, They're they're to submit to the leadership of their men. Uh, They're they're often seen as as being tempters of men, and Mm -hmm. it's just this very, very oppressive system. In the (laughs) Ten Commandments, women are property item of men. 
the Ten Commandments, and we have these documents in the highest courts of our land. What are they doing there? It says that you're not to covet your neighbor's wife or his slave or his ox or his donkey. So a woman is put on the same level as property item of a slave or a donkey or anything else that you possess. Mm. So women are slaves or second-class citizens yeah. in, in this kingdom. That's not good. <laughs> so, it's horrendous. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I have to ask you what God means to you now. So right now, if I had to land somewhere, I would say God means me or you, or really everything. And when I was religious, I was taught to rely on this outside source called God. Um, and I looked to this person for meaning and belonging and love and acceptance and answers. But all of that time, it was me. It was me that I was looking to when, when I felt a sense of love in my heart. It came from inside. And so I, in a way, I am the God that I was missing all along. Now it's about my connection, con uh, connecting with my intuition, with mm -hmm. self-love. And I mean, I understand everything is sacred and everything is connected. Uh, really, everything in the whole universe is connected and we're connected to each other. And I think that in understanding this connection, uh, we lose a sense of that guilt and separation and having experiences of what it means to be connected to everything and how everyone and all of nature is sacred. Uh, I, I really, if I want to place divinity anywhere, I want to put it there. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. That's a great answer. So, I mean, really, truly, God is love for you. You could say that. Yeah. Yeah. So do you compare yourself a lot to Martin Luther? I found a lot of inspiration from Martin Luther when I was a Christian mm -hmm. uh, because I struggled so much with with anxiety and fear. And Luther was absolutely tormented with religious anxiety throughout his whole life. And when he was he was a Christian for his whole life and he became a reformer. Uh, but he he describes in his writings consistently this specific anxiety related to fear of God's judgment fear of not being good enough, of not measuring up, of not, of not being perfect, all of these things related to, to the religion and to the Bible specifically. So mm -hmm. when I was a Christian struggling, I related to his message of grace. He, he radically changed the entire world. He brought a complete revelation to, uh, revolution to the religion of his time. He said that a religion is something that's meant to be experienced by everyone. Everyone should be able to read the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, the Bible wasn't translated in people's uh, vernacular language most of the time. He said, uh, advocated something called the priesthood of all believers, where we're all priests, we all have direct access to God. So he really brought a message of grace and liberation, uh, but I think he didn't go far enough. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't able to well, during his time. Yeah, absolutely. So where are you at now with all of your healing and everything that you've learned? What are you doing with it? Well, right now I am, I mean, I'm always working on healing and I, and I think that's one of the lessons for me mm -hmm. is that really healing is a lifelong journey. It never ends. And one of the things we have to do is commit to the process. Uh, and, and there's an excitement in that too. And there's a joy in that and always, always growing, always learning. And there's no kind of destination. We never reach it. But I would say for me, I've I've really found a sense of purpose. Uh, I've healed the self-relationship, my relationship to myself. I value and love myself and uh, don't really function on outside validation as much. And I just find a lot of joy. And most importantly, I'm, I'm free of that pervasive sense of guilt and fear and obligation. Um, and yeah. so, so yeah, but I'm always working on my healing. I'm always trying to learn new things. I'm always open to ways that I might become dogmatic or, or be wrong. And that's one of the beauties and freedoms of, uh, of spirituality and, and not having to define myself and, uh, being okay with being wrong and, and enjoying being wrong. Yeah. So is it difficult for you knowing that your family is still very religious, um, and you kind of bringing in the spirituality and religion, having suppressed spirituality, where are you at with that? 
Yeah, the, I mean, that's one of the biggest challenges for people leaving religion, and it was for me too, is that the the total isolation that can happen. Uh, because when one leaves one one's religion, one often loses all all of your community or their whole family. Uh, so there's tremendous isolation. And for me, I needed to kind of take a break because I didn't want to be reconverted or pressured. Uh, so I've had to set up boundaries about talking about certain religious topics and and holding to those and respecting those. And I'm not able to connect as deeply in certain ways. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, I still have a relationship with my family and my parents. They're great and amazing people. And I think that's one of the tragedies of religion is that there are all these amazing, loving, sincere people and they're being abused. They're being taken advantage of by mm-hmm. these systems. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't mean that they're not good and they're not doing great things, but but they're not accessing their full potential. No human being can fully shine in, in a system that demands conformity. No, how can you? So, Andrew, uh, you're, you're doing coaching now, is that correct? Yeah. Uh, so right now, the work that I'm doing is exposing the... Uh, psychological and spiritual abuses within religious systems. Mm-hmm. So I blog and write lots of articles. Uh, I, I speak and do seminars and workshops. I'm doing one called Reclaiming Sexuality from Religion. And uh, I'm doing a lot of research. Uh, and um, so when is I that offer upcoming? coaching, re- recovery coaching as well. Okay. So how can my listeners find you and learn about your upcoming event? You can find me on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, Andrew Jasko is my Twitter name. And also my website, lifeafterdogma.org. And I'm working on creating a training program for helping professionals uh, to train them to help people heal from religious trauma. And I'm hoping to create a movement of like-minded professionals, and I'm doing a lot of research. Uh, So I'm going to be raising funds for that, too. I would really need significant funding to to help advance this research and this training. Okay, great. And what would be the email or contact for that? It would be andrewjjasko at gmail.com or, or Facebook or Twitter too. Okay, great. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you for being here today. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're coming to a close, and I want to thank Andrew again for being here today as well as my fabulous producer. And you can find me at lovefromthehip.com or sakuraskinandmind.com. You can also follow me on Instagram or on Facebook and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Love From The Hip, and that's HYP. Remember, if you are interested in being hypnotized in an online edition of Love From The Hip and sharing your experience with listeners later on the air or have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at sakura at lovefromthehip.com. Stick around for the Get Hip segment and tune in next Wednesday at 2 p.m. for another Love From The Hip and make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare you. On this Get Hip segment, I would like to discuss an SRT session I had with a recent client. SRT, or Soul Reprogramming Therapy, is essentially when I work with your subconscious or higher self to recognize patterns, programs, and discordant energy you have running, find out where and when they were established, and anything you might need to know about that program before we clear it. I use a pendulum to work with your ideomotor responses on a subconscious level with a series of charts developed by Dr. Cameron Sociologist and Reverend Robert E. Deltzer. Reverend Robert E. Deltzer believed that so many of our current day trauma patterns and discordant programming were first triggered or rooted in religion. So SRT not only helps us to gain spiritual insight, but it also helps to overcome patterns established during past lifetimes. In this case, the client had entered into a pattern of relationships which revolved around guilt. As it turns out, through SRT, it was revealed that she happened to have quite a few past lives in which she was a religious figure or suffered religious trauma as a follower. These past lives all had her feeling guilty for causing pain to others and also sinning in God's eyes. Subsequently, she had brought this guilt into her current lifetime and was still continuing to suffer from it. She recognized that she no longer needed to suffer and was able to release and clear the guilt, allowing room for joy, happiness, and self-content. If you are interested in trying SRT, then email me at sakura at sakuraskinandmind.com or call 206-730-7429.